Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver. Today I am joined by my dear friend and a dear friend of The Daily Evolver for many years, Dr. Keith Witt. Hey Dr. Keith. Hey everybody, hey Jeff. How you doing? Great, how are you doing? Good, and good to be with you. As always, it's fun to be with you. Yeah. So today, we wanted to talk about this amazing arising that is happening in our culture where women, women are just saying no more to this sexual thing that men have been doing. And we have seen, um, boy, the mighty fallen. Matt Lauer, you know, uh, Garrison Keeler. Garrison Keeler, really? Keeler. You know, it's so, it, you know, it's an amazing thing. And, um, and so I, I love talking to you because, of course, you're a psychotherapist for all these years and many tens of thousands of sessions with individuals and groups and couples. And you have, you know, such a good um, uh, feeling of, you know, the, the cultural thing, what's arising in your, in your clients, and patients. And, um, and I love where you end up, which is we need to be more pro-sexual. Yes. <laughs> All right, so take it away. Tell us a little bit about that, how you see that working. <laughs> well, you know, even though there's some scary elements to a cultural convulsion like this, I mean, you know, it's scary. I mean, this is, you know, there's a certain kind of mob energy yeah. going around and everything. But I have this sense that I'm seeing the most rapid cultural shift that I've ever seen in my life. And, I, and I've seen more cultural shifts than any other person in human history, as, as have you. Yeah. And this one is so fast that I'm observing the shifts in the lower left and the lower right um, as they're happening. I'm observing them. And on the upper left, I'm observing my own shifts. I have conversations where my point of view is changed about events. Okay. Let me stop you right there. Me too. I mean, I feel differently about women today than I did a month ago. Yeah. Uh, so tell me how you, what's happened for you, and I'll share my Well, first of all, evolution. You know, I guess I was naive and arrogant, which certainly I've been, cap I've been capable of doing many times. You know, I've, I see I was experienced myself as a big advocate of let's all be healthy sexually, you know, since I was a kid, actually. And certainly from the 70s onward, you know, I was certified as a sex therapist in 1975. It's one of the things I do. And so I've been talking to everybody involved in this. I've talked to the women that have brought sexual harassment charges and guys who had women bring sexual harassment and endless people that have been abused at every level. And, and, and there was a period of time where I worked with offenders. Um, though I don't anymore. <laughs> don't, don't work with offenders, but I did. Um, and so I thought, I thought, okay, I've kind of got it all down. I, I thought that my integral moral system kind of was, in, was intact. And um, uh, the, the, this last thing that has gone on is, has caused me to make shifts. Um, I, here's a good example. Um, about 30 years ago, um, a guy came to me and he was having sex with his maid. He was a rich guy. He was having sex with his maid when nobody was home. 
okay, I was concerned for him, I was concerned for his family, and I was concerned for the maid. Right? And I, you know, I finally encouraged him to stop having sex with the maid. But in retrospect, I didn't really get at the time that that power differential really didn't give her consent. Okay? And so, and so looking back, I go, Keith, that was a blind spot. You know, you, to a certain extent, objectified her because I put her in a category different from him and his family. Even though I was concerned, I wasn't as concerned. I look back and I go, wow. Um, there was another case where a secretary went on a campaign to seduce her boss. Seduce the guy, seduce the guy, seduce the guy. He cooperated, but and it, they, finally, she walked into his hotel room on a, on a trip, had sex with him once, and then never again. And then later on, blackmailed him. I encouraged him to go to personnel who promptly fired him. Okay. Fired him? Yeah, yeah. And I always thought that was completely unjust. So I was talking to my friend Janet Loxley this morning, who's a clinical psychologist that I call to consult with. You know, we all need people to consult with. And she said, Keith, he had the privileged position. As soon as he let her into the hotel room and participated in the flirtation, he'd violated the norms of his workplace and he was at fault. And whether he resigned or not, whether, whether uh, there was a reaction or not, ultimately that was his responsibility. And I went, okay, I get because that. Because he's in the power position, because he's the boss. Yeah, and so he... It was his so job. If they, if, if they were um, uh, peers, a different calculation. No, no, he was. She was the secretary. He was clearly, right. you know. No, I'm saying uh, if they were peers, would there be a different calculation? Yes, there'd be a different. There would be a different calculation. But then the other thing that is, is so what is consent now? Okay, basically we have yes is a cons- is consent except. Yes, doesn't isn't really good consent if there's a power differential. Yes, isn't good consent if there's coercion. Yes, isn't good extent if there's drugs or alcohol. Yes, isn't a good consent if there's an age discrepancy and somebody's under eighteen. Um, you know, and then ambiguity means no. Well, as somebody anybody ask anybody who's worked with a bunch of couples. Okay, one complaint that you get from women all the time is he just says I want to have sex. I hate it when he initiates that way. I go, oh, how do you like him to initiate? I like him to cuddle up, do the dishes with me, be friendly, you know, kind of be all cozy. And we kind of, one thing leads to another, kind of the cozy, cozy initiation. And so while he's doing that, you're giving him positive but ambiguous responses. Yes. Okay, so ambiguity in that situation isn't no. Ambiguity in that situation is a, a very, very carefully negotiated intersubjective lower left Yes, but it leaves a lot of room. There's a lot of understanding in that. Okay, okay. So consent now, the whole concept of consent is 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 changing. And so right. I'm, so I'm that, looking at go on. Well, there was one other thing. Okay, okay. We'll put it out there, and then we'll I'll respond. The other thing is well, you just sent me an article by Stephen March, the unexamined brutality of the male libido. So I read that article and I agreed with all the points, but the tone just left me, you know. I was nonplussed by the tone, which was, you know, it was outrage, you know, moral condemnation, you know, you know. I'll I'll read a paragraph from it. This is from the New York Times. And despair. The the unexamined brutality of the male libido, written by Stephen March, a man. He writes, men arrive at this moment of reckoning woefully unprepared. Most are shocked by the reality of women's lived experience. Almost all are uninterested or unwilling to grapple with the problem at the heart of all this, colon, 
the often ugly and dangerous nature of the male libido, which he yeah. calls grotesque later. Um, hey, thanks you know, a lot there, Stephen, you know, well, March. You know, I could sort of get it. I mean, we, we talk all the time in, in Integral how we have an animal nature. Well, that's the last point. I mean, we have, you know, strata built upon that animal nature that is meant to organize and civilize it, but it's still there. The instincts and the drives are always there. Now, it's the nature of consciousness to take the instincts and the drives and to turn them into art. But to do that requires self-reflection and inner subjectivity. That's why we can create art out of our desire to have, you know, shelter from the rain and art out of our desire to to have you know coverings on our bodies but if you if you have a culture which is has historically been an anti-sexual culture in the united states you don't have that self-reflection or that inner subjectivity that's been a pathology from as far back as i can remember when i was five years old my parents told me about intercourse i went and told my friends and the next thing was all the mothers were calling up my parents and just bitching her out upwards and downwards because keith had just told their son about intercourse Okay. Right. My grandmother was fired for teaching sex education in the 30s at a junior college in Los well, Angeles. Yeah. Well, but this isn't just America. This is any traditional structure. They don't that's want true. to talk about sex. You know, Victorian. Uh, you know, every. That's the nature of of the of the traditionalist mindset. That's because true. actually, and and it's right on schedule in a sense because they're trying to organize the red. You want rape culture? Let's look at red, the red warrior culture. There's a rape culture. The rape so, culture. You know, you can appreciate the 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 you know purpose of this uh, uh, you know new the the propriety that comes online. Yes, in traditionalism. And, yeah, then, and I love that. And see, and see, once we're organized, once we're civilized, it becomes suffocating, and we're ready to move to the next thing, which we did. You know, in spades in the '60s, and you were part of that. I sure was. I was enthusiastic too. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was kind of still bound up because I was a gay guy, and you know, I I I didn't know quite how to work it off, but uh, I figured it out. Well, also, there's another thing that comes out of this. Of course, actually, Joe, let me just stop there. The fact that I could be a gay guy figuring it out, that, you know, thank you, modernity. Thank you, modernity. Uh, yeah. And not only that. You know, to, to, to the, well, to me personally, being, you know, almost um, mostly straight guy, <laughs> you know, I, when I go, when I've been in environments where guys have hit on me, um, I, I like it, you know, yeah. you, you know, you show some gay guys, somebody putting down his pants, and, you know, with a big erect penis and, and every woman on the planet will be turned off by that. But, you know, if you have any gayness in you, you'll go, wow. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty good looking erection you got. You know, you see what I mean? I mean, it's, it, things change um, with with various orientations, not to mention the masculine and feminine, yeah. not to mention normalizing sex. That's why the whole thing of this is we need to become more pro-sexual and particularly more pro-sex conversational and particularly more pro-sex conversational in the family. Yeah. You know, if there was a bunch of 11-year-olds listening to you and me now, I wouldn't be saying one word different because 11-year-olds, pre-adolescents, need to be having this level of conversation on an ongoing basis because the mores and the standards and the strategies are so complicated that you need an ongoing open conversation with someone who knows what the fuck they're doing to be able to develop that kind of um, uh, mature sexuality 
And most of these guys who are acting out are basically acting out adolescent objectification sex fantasies that for some reason they were powerful enough to do and they became addicted to. And yeah. these are classic addiction behaviors. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, a couple of things, we, ways we could go here. But uh, let me just, just to complete what I was talking about before. Yeah. Um, what I have, how I have grown, how my consciousness has been raised in this last month is I see women more as people. Aww. Just as simple as that. I mean, I, I realized that there was a there was a layer of seeing women as women through the women filter. So I'd see the woman and I'd see the person and I have wonderful relationships with women and I love women and all that good stuff. But now I actually there's a there's been some veil lifted and I see them more as people. Mm. And I got to tell you, there's a certain heartbreak to that uh, yes. the, the, of, of how, uh, you know, I, I, and because. As that veil is lifted, there's more of them come comes pouring through, in a way, and yeah. and that is um, I, I didn't expect that, you know, at this stage of the game, and it's subtle, but you know, as my as my meditation teacher always said, subtle is significant, and um, so I'm I'm appreciating that. I love that. You know, I was I was talking to Janet. And, you know, the statistics are pretty clear. 28% of women and 16% of, of men have some sexual intrusion before the age of 18. But I frankly have never known a woman who hasn't been sexually intruded upon or, or harassed by a guy. And I was talking to Janet about it. Janet, when she was in her first year of graduate school, went to her first party and her professor, who was teaching her ethics class, sat down next to her and put his hand in her pants. Yeah. And she never was alone with him again. And so Janet and I were talking. Janet said, I've never known a woman who doesn't have a story. And I, frankly, I've never known a woman who doesn't have a story either. And I've known guys who've had stories, but not every single guy. Right. Okay? Yeah. I mean, guys have sexual trauma stories, but their sexual trauma stories have tend to have less to do with, you know, being raped or intruded upon or molested and more often to do with other kinds of stuff, sometimes right. dealing with other men. Well, you know, I hear that and I, and I think that's true. I mean, I, all the women I know uh, pretty much have some story like that too. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them liked it. Oh yeah. Some of them, some of them, I was talking to a friend of mine and she actually, I, I remember, you know, it was a few years ago. She said, I missed it. Men don't whistle at me anymore. You know, she's just getting older. And she said, I liked it. And I'm sad about it. And she was actually kind of depressed about it. And, you know, I think one of the things that integral theory helps us see is that in these structures, and, you know, basically what we're talking about is some vestige of male privilege, patriarchy, you know, the, the stuff that goes back really thousands of years, actually. Right, de signor, you know, the Lord gets to have sex with the woman on the first totally. night after, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, so as we see, as, as, as we see this, uh, you know, through our current eyes, um, you know, we could see that women were participating at every stage of the game. And that actually it was a system that worked for all of humanity. Red worked for humanity. It was an appropriate stage, as ugly as it is, after tribal. You know, we got bigger societies. We got more calories. We got, you know, yeah. all that good stuff. And then, you know, traditionalism is another stage and then in modernity and post-modernity. And uh, but, the, you know, it's all still there. And well, first of all, I want just a little more. But I wanted to say that women participated in it, too. 
Yeah, but so I want to I want to just have a little moment of, of of appreciation for your courage as a man saying the words. Some women liked it. Yeah, you know, on, you know, I, on your I, podcast. I know them. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, women Mary, perpe- some women perpetrated it. Another friend of mine talked about how yeah. she always went for the alpha guy at all the conferences wherever she was. Until one day she met one of their wives and, uh-huh. and just this big moral shame thing came over her and she stopped doing that. But that was the first, you know, till she was in her 40s. Well, now we're getting back to consent. You know, they say, well, you shouldn't ha- consent doesn't happen if there's a power differential. But we kind of forget we exist in, in, in social hierarchies everywhere, you know. And if we just and we say there's absolutely no power differential, though I don't think bosses should should date you know subordinates. But if there's absolutely no power differential, now we're back into a caste system where I can't cross my caste line to date somebody <laughs> in a higher yeah, caste who has say higher socioeconomic level or you know say more political power or something. Yeah. It's a and so what what comes out of this is the conversation about what works for two people. And what what serves the highest good, which is an integral conversation, and now basically that's see this is what I'm all delighted about. That this is looks like this is becoming the cultural standard that you're going to have to have a multi-perspectival conversation about sex in yeah. general, yeah. sexual intrusion, yeah. and also I just see guys having to secretly pay money they could afford was one thing, and this is what I naively thought was solving the problem because I've over the last. 30 years, people might not be aware of this. Um, sexual harassment claims in workplace is a cottage industry. It's a multi-million dollar industry. You know, the guy says something, does something, and the woman gets a 10, 50, 20, uh, 100, $120,000 payout. It's never litigated. Or in the you know, case of Gretchen Carlson, 20 billion. 20 million. And, and, and that's not unheard of. And that, and so at least on the level that I've been encountering, it's been anywhere from 10,000 to just make the lawsuit go away. And, and all this has been, pre- has, has, has been based on, we're gonna, nobody's going to talk about it, okay? Okay, so guys don't have a problem giving money they can afford. But what we're seeing now is public emasculation, okay? You do this, you get publicly emasculated, and you, use, you lose wealth and power, mm-hmm. okay? So that's new. Yeah. You know, if, if, if no, now what, and it's summary. I mean, there's no due process, bam. nor does there need to be. I mean, these are private companies who, who are, you know, have standards and they're firing their employees and so forth. Uh, so it's all good. But uh, wow, it is yeah. fast and, and it is summary. And see, that's what I think is, is, is the quickness of this. Yeah. That, that women feel empowered to tell their stories and not be ashamed of them. Like that poor woman with Laura who passed out. She dissociated and passed out and she was ashamed to talk about her story. Okay. Mm, that's something. Oh man. Well, you know, you know, that's not the first time I've heard a story like that. No, the second me either, the actually I, I had heard of that about that too, but let me just, you know, so one of the things we're talking about here is um, let's see uh, that Sex with a power differential, particularly a professional power differential, is we have a new standard here. Yes, and 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 it's it's not unlike it's not like we don't have a precedent for this. I think if you you therapists, if you're oh, yeah. going to start having uh, romantic or sexual relationships with a client, you have to resign. It's a felony. You it's go to jail. Felony. 
Wow. Is a fellow, you have sex with a client within two I thought you guys were just kind of being sort of, you know, cool about it. Yeah. All right. No, you know, I knew a lot of therapists who had sex with their clients in the 70s. I didn't, but a lot of, a lot of therapists did. And then they made it a felony. And I really haven't heard about too many se- cases since they made it a felony. Uh-huh. Yeah. I wanted to have sex with my therapist uh, back in my 20s, but he wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry for you, and I'm proud of you. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I, it, was, it was not my finest moment, but... Uh, no, it's okay. You're the client. You know, I remember a woman uh, walking out of a session once, you know, her boyfriend wasn't interested in her. And we had our last session. She said, call me sometime. And I felt this, this rush of sexual energy go through me. And I thought, God, you know, my unconscious started talking me into it. I said, unconscious, shut the fuck up, you know, <laughs> and it did, you know, because, yeah. you know, the, there was no, but, but it was interesting what a, what a profound reaction that was for somebody that thought that, you know, this is absolutely no problem for me. Um, and you see, there's the thing. These are the conversations that haven't been happening. Yeah. Um, and, and the sexual conversation, men have an instinct to ravish. Women have an instinct to be ravished. Yeah. Okay. Women have an instinct to be ravished when they feel like it. Yeah. Men have to, an instinct to ravish when they feel like it. The instinct to ravish sends them into levels of arousal that cause them to lose empathic attunement and objectify women. Okay. These are the drives. Now, you know, we got to deal with them one way or another. And pretending they're not there hasn't worked very well. Well, and actually, to the degree that we can sort of uh, control them and, and, you know, get our arms around them, then we can liberate them to be, ravage me. Yes. You know? And so let's actually, now that we got all that out of the way, let's actually go for it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's it's exactly right. That's, yeah. it's, you know, the, the most common sexual fantasy for every variation of eroticism is there's there's somebody there's a director and a follower there's a dominant and a submissive yep there's something about the polarity of that now this whole thing about the objectification and humiliation being part of the rush for these guys okay now this is a particular form of addiction and so we're you know it's like comparing an alcoholic somebody who likes you know to drink wine with their dinner okay you know alcohol is involved but it's really different phenomena and the problem with these guys is these guys didn't get treatment when they were there was a kid that i encountered who engaged in inappropriate sexual activity with two other kids and and it was caught you know and he was kind of coercive his mother refused to have him see a therapist or work the other kids, you know, saw therapists and they resolved it and stuff. Six years later, the same kid raped another kid. Okay. Why? He didn't get the attention he needed when this first happened. He, you know, his mother said, oh, there's some, some bullshit rationalization. Let's not talk about it. It's better not to talk about it. Well, apparently it was not better to not talk about it. Right. Okay. So all these guys at some point or another, they would have had a chance to, to go to somebody, hopefully before they abuse somebody. Or, you know, when what some woman said, you know, you're being a creep, go get some work, get some work done, you know. And it would have given them a chance to not develop these compulsive, um, abusive behaviors and to traumatize all the, you know, like rapists. I mean, essentially, this is the same archetype as rape. You know, mm-hmm. there's coercion, humiliation, object, objectification that's normalized by a guy who gets gratification for it. And then once you start doing it, you got to, like Cosby, 
Cosby just got better and better and better and better at, at just not considering the consequences of what he did because he wow. had to keep doing it. Wow. No, it's true. Now, and that's just getting into, uh, you know, real predatory criminal behavior. You know, there's no gray areas there. Um, yeah. So, um, so one of the things that's confusing to me now is now that I'm seeing women more as people, I think I still have the woman filter on there too. Uh, and I, 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 I don't want to get rid of it completely, I don't think. Uh, but what I'm noticing is, um, you know, complimenting women on their looks, tell them they look pretty. Uh, I used to do that occasionally just to a stranger. If it was a pretty woman or I was feeling good, it was a pretty day, whatever. Uh, I had a woman, woman not like it. And, Ah. and that's, and I got it that, you know, that's not always the thing to do. And, but you know, so this is my dilemma. This is my little shred, you know, that I'm working on, you know, as as the culture is going through this. But, you know, are you seeing this in your clients? Are you seeing a difference? Um, Well, first of all, um, this is one of the things that drew me so much to data 20 years ago. Um, It's like I felt kind of all alone because my point, when, when a woman comes when somebody gets up in the morning, a guy or a woman, they choose carefully what colors and garments that they, they put on. They choose um, what earrings. They choose what, what, what makeup. They choose how to have their hair. They make a lot of choices. You know, and, and those choices are designed to have them be the person they want to be and present the way they want to be. And what my discovery, so when we're dealing with erotic polarity between me and masculine and, and there's a feminine force, I want her to feel appreciated as a feminine being that generates feminine light in a way that leaves her feel enlivened, but not intruded upon that she feels yes. safe. Yes. So my job is to be a trustable man and express appreciation. So if, if, when women come in, I compliment them, but I'm very aware of the erotic polarity and keep it to a point where they feel enlivened and, and respected, but you know, not invisible as women. Um, because making them invisible is just dissociation and dissociation causes a lot of problems because you're not aware of what's below the dissociation and they can sneak up in other kinds of ways. Um, and so my job to all women is to appreciate them, you know, to, to worship the feminine in them in ways that leave them feeling respected and enlivened. Yeah. You know, and, I like and that. I, that's a good, that, that actually helps guide me to enliven, but not intrude. Yeah. That's my job. My job as a fem- as a masculine person is to spread that into the world and advocate for that and teach teach men and women how to do that better. Mm-hmm. And particularly teach guys how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't tell you how many guys where I the first time that they've ever talked about stuff that they they do that's you know not on the top of the bell curve was with me. You know, and the first reaction is always to be completely relieved that I normalize it. And, you know, you know, impulses are not acts. Fantasies are not acts. It doesn't matter what people fantasize. You know, 30% of guys have fantasized having sex with a thousand different women. Okay. <laughs> they have not had sex with a thousand. So there's a difference between an autoerotic existence and, a, and a, an existence with other people. You know, it's because if you pathologize your own thoughts and feelings and impulses and what gets you off, you're going to try to dissociate from it or rationalize it and cause problems. 
if you embrace who you are and then find a way to have a fulfilling sexuality in your life, given who you are, with people who can accept and understand you, even if they don't participate in stuff that you like, that's what we want more of. And that is such a, an incredibly complex and demanding and challenging activity that changes over a lifetime, that it's something that should be started pretty much when kids start to talk as this is how it was with my kids and a conversation that continues for the rest of their life with people that they understand and they understand them to help everybody have healthy sexual development. And, and that's what's missing in our culture and what we need in our culture. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what, and that's what's driving a lot of it. Now, so here we have the sexual revolution in the sixties. This is the, the postmodern contribution to sex is that, you know, suddenly yeah. we can, we got a you know, birth control, abortion, women are, freed from these traditional roles, and we can have sex. And uh, so, um, so green is more sex positive. You got to just, that's really. You, green that's is really, more sex positive. It, it really is. I mean, uh, modernity has sort of a don't ask, don't tell around everything, you know, right. and then traditionalism is sort of uptight. But uh, so green is friendlier to sex. And when you talk about the sex-friendly, sex-positive thing, I think we see that happening in green households, I uh -huh. mean, with, with kids, wouldn't you say? Or uh, is, it, 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 is there another level of, uh, you know, help, helping kids along here? Uh, yes. You see that? Well, first of all, I mean, I, I, I have extreme standards of openness. Yeah. I mean, I, there is never a question that my kids asked that I didn't answer in a way that, was, that fit their level of cognitive development. And that's my, my standard. And as I said, sex in every form, you know, healthy and un unhealthy, was openly discussed to this day. You know, my kids were here for both of them for Thanksgiving. They're 29 and 32. And we had lots of fun conversations about all this stuff that you and I are, are talking about. Um, generally, parents are very inhibited, almost every level, about talking about appropriate sexuality for children. Um, they're inhibited um, talking about the difference between healthy and unhealthy sexuality with children. You know, they're pretty good these days about it's my body, I can do what I want. And, mm -hmm. and also they're pretty good with it's per perfectly natural. That's good. Mm -hmm. But now we're beginning to get into forbidden territory when we're having parents being able to talk to kids about feeling sexual arousal and how that fits normally into their life and into their experience. Well, okay. let, well let me just add some, an insight here. This is sort of often pointed out uh, about a, a sort of one of the downsides of green sexuality is men and women are so equal. And, you know, that, you know, we get that women are people too. And uh, so there's, What's not allowed back online yet is that um, that tension between dominant and submissive. Uh, yeah. Part of it is it's it feels too constrictive because you know men dominant, women submissive doesn't work well enough anymore. We can realize now that women can be dominant, and men can be submissive. So that's oh, yeah. a whole new thought. So, so you know th there is a green repressive streak. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Oh, you know, in that article, just green outrage and despair. You know, guys are so fucked up and, you know, male right. sexuality. 
you know, on and on and on. You know, I'm just, yeah, that it's just, you know, the toxic. There's, there's just something toxic about men, period. You know, I don't mind that Matt Lauer had a fantasy of calling a woman into his office to have sex with. I don't mind the fantasy. What I mind is that he rationalized himself into actually doing that with a woman. Okay. Yeah. On that, when he started having those fantasies about objectifying and humiliating women, he should go and talk to a therapist about it and said, okay, you know, you and your wife probably need to have conversations about how this can happen in a way with you guys. It's fun for both of you. Okay. Okay. Well, that takes a lot too much time and energy and growth for apparently powerful guys. Yeah. And, and, and also when we're dealing with consent, you know, sexuality needs to be recognized that it has many, many, many forms. So, you know, for instance, there's a new thing called, um, um, uh, uh, what's it called? It's not called seeking an accommodation. It's called um, seeking arrangement. Okay, you can Google seeking arrangement and there are young women who want to have a guy where they're essentially going to be his lover and he's going to give them anywhere between ten and $30,000 a year. And then, you know, they hang out and he takes her to parties and so on. They have sex and so on. And that's the arrangement, okay? Seeking arrangement. There were there are 100 young women in, in Santa Barbara, a lot of them UCSB students, advertising seeking arrangements really? with older guys. Yeah. Um, wow. In, in L.A., there's a whole lot of Russian women doing it. I, I guess there's kind of this, some kind of, you know, pipeline of Russian women going to L.A. and doing the seeking arrangement thing, okay? Wow. Now, there's a power differential, but there's a, there's a frank negotiation there. And yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of a more kind of girlfriend experience of prostitution. Right. But we're now very beginning to see levels, okay? On a particular level, there's coercion, which is always horrible. Human trafficking, horrible. You know, omnipresent throughout human history, but horrible. On a, on a higher level, we have people that psychologically have, to a certain extent, equal capacity for consent. One person has resources. I want to provide my resources. I'm willing to provide sexual engagement for some of your resources. That mm-hmm. seems like a clean interaction to me, though there's yeah. psychological consequences. Yeah. Okay, now, you know, say Matt Lauer did a seeking arrangement thing with some woman who was willing to come into his office and have sex with them because they had a deal about it. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'd never hear about this. She wouldn't, you know, complain about it. Right. But, be, but because he was caught in his adolescent objectification fantasy and thought, you know, guys who do this are always imagining the women enjoy it. Like rapists enjoy the way imagine that. That's the level of objectification. That's the crazy thing. Wow. I know. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. crazy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're learning. That's what we're learning. <laughs> you know. So there is a um you know, there's a stage where by containing this and really getting our arms around it and, and seeing what the new rules are, where everybody's really respected and these power differentials are out in the open. Yeah. Then we can have fun with them. Yes. And that's integral. Because <laughs> I, I want to have the fun. I don't want to lose the fun here. And I'm feeling like, you know, some of these articles I'm reading are, are, are anti-fun. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and that's, that's green pathology, if you ask me. <laughs> you know, if you think about it, when you get to the second tier, the capacities for adult play are multiplied. Yeah. Okay? Because yeah. everything's on the table as long as we're looking for some kind of shared inner subjectivity that feels good to both of us. Yeah. Okay? And we're not, we're not constrained necessarily by amber constraints. You know, we're not into orange uh, competition. The whole trophy wife thing, okay? 
Well, okay, that, that creates problems. Um, there's, there's a particular kind of objectification that, that goes on, and, and I've dealt with that over the years. And, you know, those relationships are better or worse depending upon a, a wide variety of things. But, you know, when you get to intervals, sure, let's, yeah. let's, let's play. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of the podcast I did with uh, uh, integralists we both know who uh, is into S and M. Oh, there you go. She was like all about it, and you know, uh, there's a whole subculture there where these people know exactly what they're doing, and they are creating all sorts of different kinds of pleasures for you. I worked with them. I had one guy, you know, I, I was, you know, he really liked me as a therapist. He said, Keith. I want to list you on the S and M website as a guy who's real S and M friendly. And I said, you know, I don't think that I need that particular form of yeah, advertising. Though I'm very, I'm very honored by yeah. the fact that you relate to me as somebody who gets it and is a pro S and M healthy sexual guy. Right. Um, yeah, well, all, all. I mean, when you start getting into all these like accoutrements, it makes me nervous. So. Well, unless you both like your accoutrements. I get, well, I'm just saying me. Yeah. You know, yeah right. It's all good. So. <laughs> all right, my friend. Well, thank you for um, helping me sort some of this out. It's, uh, it, again, I mean, we just have to pause and, and see what's happening uh, under our feet. Yeah. You know, uh, in real time, uh, day by day, week by week. This Harvey Weinstein thing was... Uh, well, I don't know. Was it six weeks ago? Really? Uh, just something that? like that. I mean, oh and God. it's just an amazing thing. So, well, uh, thank you for helping me. You know, yeah. having this screen off with women, uh, that's really fits with me. You know, my, I was talking to my friend Janet and, and, and she said, I don't know any women. And I thought, I don't either. And I thought, God, you know, I kind of have blocked out the fact that every woman I know is carrying around a sexual trauma with some guy intruding. Yeah, enough already with that. Yeah, enough. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. So I'm good with, uh, you know, the way things are going here. And yeah. I'm pretty excited about it, actually. As long as we keep the fun. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Yeah, well, okay, you and I are here. Yeah, Jeff and I are here. We, we're two guys who are willing to talk about it without a woman present. Which, I know, you know, really. Uh, you know, which is, you know, a little bit of hubris there, but also, you know, I got to hey, say. Guys have to talk to. Guys have to talk to. Yeah. And yes, and hopefully all of this, what it will lead to is more joyful sexuality at every single level of development. Yes. Sexual shame is something that everybody shares. And in that sense, we're all complicit in in creating a you know sexual shame in the culture, right on. so sexual the shame is the don't look emotion. So let's all look and we go okay. We do the fun stuff that's mutual respect, and you don't do the stuff that injures people. And we keep the conversation going. And if you make a mistake, you go, "Oops, I'm sorry," and correct it. Yeah. And if you're one of these guys who are compulsive, get into treatment, get into recovery, just like alcoholics get into treatment. Alcoholics have to deal with the fact that they caused endless amounts of damage when they were drinking. These guys are going to have to face the fact that it caused endless amounts of damage. And hopefully they'll make amends in addition to financial stuff, but psychologically to the women that they injured. Yeah, um, and, and become better people. Yeah, that's what yeah. we want. That's what we want. All right, Dr. Keith Witt, uh, drkeithwitt.com, right? Dr. Keithwitt.com, that's right. <laughs> Go to my website and there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, please come and enjoy it. Yeah. Become a member. You know, I'll send you stuff every once in a while. And we'll see you back here uh, 
uh, soon, Keith. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you back here on um, the next Daily Evolver. Much love to everybody. Bye-bye. Much love. Bye.